Good morning, Encounter Church. So I got a question for you. How come it's so easy for me to bring up that Christmas stuff in late November and go get that tree and put lights on everything and, and everything is really, really, um, you know, just let's festoon it and adorn it and put gold on it and lights on it and on and on and on. And then January comes and you're supposed to take it all down. I hate that. De-Christmasing is so hard for me. And then not only does it happen in your house, but it also happens like for me in my refrigerator. There's stuff that you put in there in the middle of November. It's like, oh, Christmas, glory, glory, glory. And you get a little shrimp cocktail and all that good stuff is in there. And then by about this time of the year, something starts to smell. And you're like, oh, what could that possibly be? And so you got all this stuff in there. And my husband, he's really good at, like, uh, he rotates the, the, the produce like a, he's a grocer. And he's got everything. And he knows, what, when are you going to use that? I'm like, I don't know. And so, so to be honest with you, sometimes something stinks. And I will tell you. One of the worst things that can happen to you is that not only do regular potatoes go really bad and smell really bad, but if you mix a whole bunch of dairy products in them on a holiday and you stick them in there and you forget them, they start to grow and rise and weird molds happen and then it's a puffy container. And it, and it smells really better than, worse than anything, rigor mortis, it smells really bad because it's, it's bad, bad potatoes and bad dairy which has got a stench all its own, and it's really, really bad. And so when I go away, Grace says, you know, the house knows when you're not home, Mom, because when you're not home, things start to smell bad. And so I'm like, you know, and I'm like, and there's a piece of turkey behind the meat drawer, and you're like, wow, that was the offending thing. And sometimes, you know. So this is the time of year when you're having to clean stuff, and you have to clean out that refrigerator, and you have to, like, you better eat this. It's going to go bad. You're, I'm only going to throw it out. It's like, oh, that's so bad. I'm only going to throw it out does not make me want to eat the thing you're offering me. I'm only going to throw it out. Well, maybe you should do that. So... So then the other thing that happens is in your house, it's like you throw away that Christmas tree, and then there's this, like, it's bare. It looks like everything looks like an institution, mental institution, and you're like, why does it look so bare here? I took off all the tinsel and everything and the lights. I love them and the candles, and now I look like I live in some sort of bad institution. So, okay, so the thing is, you want to, that is my phone. I'm really sorry about that. Um, you want to clean it out. And you want, and then, and you want to start fresh, and you want to, you want to, and sometimes your heart needs that same sort of resync. Like if all you've been listening to is Marshmallow World in the winter for the whole month of December and January, and you're like, you're slightly a little bit, little bit not backslidden, but all you've been chestnuts roasting on an open fire. After six weeks of that, you're like, where is my heart even with God? Where, where am I? And so you come to January and you're like, I want to refresh my, my commitment. I want to upgrade my love for people. And you have to do this little inventory, not unlike the one in your refrigerator, to say, where is my heart? Where is the sinking up of my heart with the heart of God for this new year? And, and if you've been walking with the Lord for a little while, you're like, oh, yeah, I want more love, more peace, and more joy. And then, you know, what happens is you have to do a little bit of an inventory of what might be the impasse that, that keeps me from growing and bearing fruit. What, you know, you hate to use the fact that, did I plateau? Have I been the same person for the last several years, not growing, not bearing fruit, not changing? It's like, what is the barrier to continuing to bear more fruit, especially when it comes to love? It's like, I don't know. I live on the street. I've been living here a long time. 
The Formica countertops need to be replaced. My heart feels like that, sort of past its sell-by date. And so you go to the Lord and you're like, Lord, what could it be that could enable me to be better at loving, to be abide better in peace, to be more abundant in joy and just set a, just middle-aged and bad-tempered? Get off, that, get off my lawn, you kids. Get off my lawn. You know, uh, did I get a thank you note? I didn't get a thank you note. I'm not going to her things no more. It's like you're, you're talking like you're fossilized. Stop that. Wow. So the thing, the thing that happens is, okay, let's just tell the truth. When you're alone with your Bible and your cat and your candle, it's easy to abide and enjoy. Okay, I'm peaceful. I'm so peaceful. And, and I have my candle and my perfect pour over coffee. And, I, and I'm, and I'm long-suffering and I'm patient. But then people, you factor people into the thing, and then you're like, oh, she annoys me. I don't like that at all. And so what, what you find is, okay, here's what I found. That Jesus ushered in a new kingdom, and Jesus ushered in a kingdom that really is, is the, the currency, in addition to faith, is also forgiveness. This is the thing that I found out. This was the bad smelly potatoes in my refrigerator. It was forgiveness that we need to upgrade. And it's like, I don't have a forgiveness problem when it comes to thinking, well, she stole, she stole my coleslaw recipe and it was a secret. And if she thinks she can get away with stealing my this, that, and the other, I, that's not my problem. Uh, that person took my, my parking space and, I, and I'm resentful. No, that's not my problem. It's not the petty things. It's other things that I'm finding out and people my age who I really respect and we're bumping into this need for forgiving people that have to do with how we shaped our perception of God, how we shaped our perceptions of ourselves. And when you're doing this inventory of why you don't have more peace and joy, you're finding out that the people you need to forgive may be people who, who shaped you. Maybe they're cultures that shaped you. Maybe they're people who gave you bad information about who you are. Maybe they're people who discipled you. You had an inferior discipleship. You thought it was really about your, your attendance and your production, and you should be your servanthood. Let's up your servanthood. Let's you, put you on all the teams, and you can usher till you fall down. And you can work the nursery till you fall over. And you can be, we can uh, just, just have you sing till you fall down. And I'm not throwing rocks at anybody, but a lot of people I know had this inferior discipleship from people who were well-meaning and, and didn't, didn't really mean to mess them up. But they come to adulthood and they have a messed up perception of God. They have a messed up perception of themselves. And it's just, I just keep bumping into this. And there are people that, that we know that are mature, that we respect, that lead stuff. And they're like, I'm having to revisit how I come to God because the fact that I'm not here based on my performance is is a thing we're revisiting and and it just i just i just got to talk about it because it seems to be coming up a lot it says here forgiveness is one of the foundation stones and reconciliation is the cement that holds everything together in the kingdom of god wow when we understand forgiveness is flowing from the work of jesus it's a strange and powerful thing we begin to realize that god forgives us and our forgiveness is what we give to others so it's a faculty, it's like a muscle, it's like a language. It's like we received grace from God when we met the Lord in the first place. Some people met the Lord when they were very little before they could read. And it's like VBS. Please, Jesus, come into my heart, cleanse all my sin, make me whole. Amen. And it's like, yes, that, that, that's valid. And you don't even remember when you, you don't have a crime life. You don't say, oh, before I was a Christian, I had misery. Well, you're only two, you were in diapers. So you didn't have that much, you didn't have that much misery. So, you know, we know these people. 
And um, then maybe you came to the Lord into your childhood, and that's cool. Maybe you came in your teens at a happy teen event, also good. College, maybe you came to the Lord in your adulthood, but you responded to this forgiveness, and you said, who I am, I'm asking you to come and renovate my heart. I was made in God's image, but I still need to have my sin nature redeemed by the powerful power of the Holy Spirit. I received the blood of Jesus as my atonement. Cool. Now I'm a new person. Holy Spirit came in. Glory. The only problem is there's stuff in how you think about your life. Am I echoing? How you think about, um, just how you think about yourself that really needs to be unraveled and, and sanctified and changed. So, so you're cruising along, and it's like, I'm a grown-up, I got married, it's cool, I had a couple kids. You still sometimes need to revisit why you bump into these wounded places, why your perceptions are bad, why you're offended really easily when someone bumps into something that's like, it's, it reminds me of a, a shard of glass from a car accident, and someone's like, ah, oh, oh, that hurts. It's like the doctor's like, that shouldn't hurt. Well, it does, and don't touch it again. It's like our souls are like that. You bump into stuff, it's like, what's that about? Oh, just stay away from my issue. That's my issue. I own my issue, it's cause I'm Italian, it's cause I'm from that neighborhood, it's cause my dad had a bad temper, it's cause my mother was insano. It's like, yeah, let's clean all that up. Oh no, that's just how I am. I'm just like that. Stay off my lawn. I don't wanna talk about it. Wow. It's like, wow, could we, you know, you gave your heart to Jesus, did you take it back? Yeah. No, but we're not gonna go there. Cause Martha said, so, so Lazarus died and Jesus came and Mary said, Martha said, Mary said, they both said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And um, that's a natural response. They didn't know what Jesus was going to do. And then Jesus said, where have you laid him? And then Jesus said, roll away the stone. And do you know what Martha said? Something very intelligent and spiritual and deep. She said, by this time it stinks. You better not roll away that stone. By this time it stinketh. As if to say, you don't know what you're talking about. We've dealt with it. We cried and stuff. We're good. We're good. And he's like, roll away the stone. No, don't, don't roll away the stone. We don't want to revisit the smelly things. It's like, yes, actually, I have a plan. And so some of us come to this part of our lives where we're like, what about this part where you have issues with your mom? Ah, we're not going to talk about that. I'm a grown-up. She's in heaven, and we're not going to exhume that. By this time, it smells. I've dealt with that. It's like, no, actually, the Lord is visiting you in this area to say, you know what? We can heal this. It wasn't time before. It's time now. It's like, no, 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 no. I, uh, this is how I do. This is how I roll. We don't talk about that. And I'm peaceful about that. And the Lord's like, this is the January of you cleaning out the refrigerator, rearranging the furniture in your soul. And the Lord's like, how about now? Nah, I'm not really in the mood. It might require some, some crying, and it will spurt like pus, and I have no desire to do that. Well, we could visit that. You could bear more fruit. You could operate in the miraculous. You could be more powerful. All these things you say and you sing, make me powerful and I would be a miracle and Jesus would love me. It's like, no, no, no. Don't talk about any of my issues. It's like, went to counseling when I was in my 20s. Didn't really work. I just lose my temper once in a while. It's so we're all peaceful about it. It's like, no, actually, we're not. No one is. Everyone tiptoes around you. Everybody is like, it's like, um, could we deal with this? You being dropped on your head at a very young age? No, 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 no. We're not going to deal with that. And so um, I'm not throwing, trying to throw rocks at anybody. But I'm telling you that we need ongoing grace for ourselves. So you get to be a certain age and you're like, oh, I should have known better. I can't believe I did that. I'm, I, I can't believe I did that. God's disappointed in me. I know better. Why? I talked to like a little kid, had a tantrum, hurt people. What on earth? And it's like... 
Now I'm mad at me. And uh, I went to a Bible study of mature women and I said, I'm so condemned. I had a fight with my husband. I said mean things. And she said, did you repent? I'm like, yeah. She said, was it an authentic repentance? I'm like, yeah. She's like, do you have designer sins? I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, are your sins too good for the blood of Jesus because you're mature? And, uh, and, and, and can the blood of Jesus cover your sins and, and forgive you? No, because I should know better. No, no, that's not how it works. You humble yourself believing that the efficacious blood of Jesus is even good enough for you in your mature person. It's like, oh, actually, she said, what you're dealing with is pride. Your pride is that you should be, should be more polished up and, and smart than you actually are. And in humility, you say, Lord, please come and cleanse my, son, my sins. Even though I've been around the block a few times, I still have areas to grow and change and heal. And, and, and the grace is like ongoing oxygen every day that you need. You don't say, I've had enough oxygen. I'm good. Then you, you can hold your breath for maybe 30 seconds, but you need it ongoing. Grace of God is like that. So you have to forgive yourself first. You also have to forgive yourself. And some people say, no, I'm, I'm too bad. I'm too good is not good. I should know better. I'm, I'm sure be mature. That's not a good way. But to say I'm not good enough for the grace of God, I've done too many bad things wrong. Those of us in this room probably know that's not the right way to approach the gospel. And if we were at a coffee house with unsaved people, we would say, no, nothing you've done can't be covered and healed by the blood of Jesus. But the inverse is to say, I'm really, he's disappointed because he thought I was farther along. He's not disillusioned with you because he never had an illusion about you. He knows where you're at. He knows how you feel when you're by yourself, how you have to get, I need so much coffee just to get saved every morning. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> It's like, do you know Jesus? Give me a couple minutes and I'll talk about it. You know, I got to wake up. I'm not good early in the morning. And so the Lord, but the Lord doesn't, it's not a mystery to him. Oh, I'm surprised you're bad tempered in the morning. That doesn't surprise the Lord. And it doesn't surprise my husband either anymore. So that's good. And sometimes the other thing that happens is sometimes we need to confess to other people. It's like, I would never do that. They think I'm a leader. You're full of malarkey. The, the, the scripture says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins because in community you take, the, you take the lid off that ugly potato and you clean it sometimes. Sometimes I actually throw the whole Tupperware away because I can't cope. But the Lord wants us to open it up, stick it in the bleach, and say, uh, be clean. And the Lord can do that, but sometimes we need help. Can you help me? Uh, and, you know, when you confess, it's like we take the mystery out. The person can say, you know what, I had a similar problem. It's like you're not alone. A lot of us were dropped on our heads. Okay, side note, the, the 20th century was really hard on a lot of people. And in, in between the Spanish flu and World War I and the Depression and World War II and Korea and McCarthyism and Vietnam, and the 60s were just, I don't know, a mess. Impeachment of Nixon, assassination attempt on Reagan, the 90s had their own problems, and here we are. So if your parents grew up through a lot of that, Sheila, don't be surprised if you find out that they, they parented you in error. Even well-meaning ones, even church leaders, you know, maybe your parents were criminals, but maybe they were just elders of churches. And the, tr the truth is, they might not have had good parents, they might have been, you know, there was only one cookie, and if you dropped it, you died. There's no more where that comes from. And it's like, and, the, and we had these mentalities, like there's not enough to go around. And, and we're all a little bit 
impoverished. And if, where are your school shoes? I don't know. Well, the bus is coming, and I'm going to have to beat you to your dead because you lost your school shoes. And though, that's like people who didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have 87 pairs of shoes. You had school shoes, and you had sneakers for gym class. And mine were always lost. I didn't know where they were. It's like the only time I ever got spanked was because I lost my shoes all the time. And you know what? It's because there wasn't a lot, lot there wasn't any extra. And so I'm not trying to disparage or throw shade on anybody. But if there wasn't enough to go around, you might have grown up to believe that God is like that. You were unfaithful with the individual thing you had, and there's not a second chance for you. You squandered your chances. What does Sebastian Maliscalco say? He says his, his dad, like, you're trying to play basketball? You're embarrassing all of us. Get in the car. You're, a, you're an embarrassment. It's like, that's not how God is. And here we are in our, in our second half, figuring out that God has generosity for us and grace for us and growth for us. And he's like, you know what? You know you didn't get what you needed maybe in your first 20 years? We can make that up. We can invest in you. We can teach you. We can give you more chances. It's like... No, the chances are all for girls who are 17 with messy buns who have really spitty lips. It's like, no, that is not true. That is not true. God has growth for you. God wants to show you stuff. God wants to teach you stuff. And God wants to work in your life. Bad discipleship, misrepresentation of God, flawed parenting, distorting your identity, messing up your emotional stability, unfair, cultural norms that were unfair, they were unethical, and they told you they were normal. Children should be seen and not heard. That's not what the Bible says. You know, okay, well, I'm planning to say this, I'm saying this anyway. Sometimes when I see my son adore his children that are both in diapers, it triggers in me this little, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I'm like, did anyone ever look at me like that? And he's just, I hope I teach her all the right things. I hope I send her to the right lessons. And she thinks she's a, she's a princess doctor butterfly mermaid. And um, she's pretty comfortable with that title. And, um, and, and so her fearless Fosdick self is so groovy that, that I shouldn't be thinking selfish thoughts, but I'm like, Lord, what do you think about me? Wow. He goes, I look at you like that. I want to invest in you. I'm like, no, I'm broken down. I'm like, they're getting, sending me AARP envelopes. It's like, God says, I don't see you that way. I see you as still having been full of promise. I'm like, my joints don't work right, God. He goes, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I have, I have more for you. And, and, and I have more for you to be. And I'm finding that little by little, God puts his fingers on areas in our soul that needs healing. Whether you got hurt in a legitimate way or a perceived way. Whether you were betrayed. I'm not talking about when your potholders don't match your dish towels. I'm not talking about petty stuff, you know. It's like, well, they stopped selling my hair color. And everything I go to use, they discontinue it. And it annoys the heck out of me. Yeah, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that you got betrayed by people who give you bad information. I met a young man, and I thought, who let your parents, who, why did they let you marry at such a young age, such an insane old girl? And, and now he's no longer married. But, but in my mind, I'm like, this is a parent's problem. You shouldn't have gotten married that young to somebody who was mentally ill. And now you think it was you. And I don't know. I can't tell him that. I don't know him that well. Hey, I've been thinking about you. And I decided your parents are rotten. You can't say that. <laughs> but but, but the, the hurt in his life now has to do with he got bad information. What I'm trying to say is you might got, have gotten bad information by people who genuinely, there was a betrayal, an injustice, an offense, that it's not imagined, it's real. 
and could be church leaders who thought they were doing a really good work. Oh, an we're going to an independent church. Ruh -ruh. It could be really good. It could be, you, you don't know. Yeah. I worked the nursery 47 days in a row for the uh, evangelistic campaign, and um, now I'm a Mormon. I, I had no use for any of that. <laughs> it's like people walk around with these kinds of hurts, and they, ma they make them like, it's like, what's wrong with your knee? Nothing. Nothing wrong with me. It's like you can see it in them. They don't go to church anymore. They don't, they, what comes out of their mouth is not biblical. It's current event stuff that's not biblical. They, they say stuff that's like, that's unbiblical. And you can't say that because you sound like you're an old person to say, that's not really biblical. Well, who cares about that? Just healthy people. So if you're not in the Bible and you're not in fellowship and you're not in prayer, you wonder why it's like, no, I'm perfectly fine. It's like, you don't look perfectly fine. And it's like, well, it's like because they've given up on local churches, they've given up on other Christians, and, and they say it's church hurt. I'm, I'm going to get in so many. No, you can't fire me. I'm just here. So the thing is, they say it's church hurt, but really my secret theory is that they were poised for that injury because in their childhood they didn't know how valuable they were. And they couldn't set healthy boundaries for themselves because they're looking for so much approval from, because mom and dad said, well, you could have done better. Well, what's with this B? You know, no, no child of mine gets a B. It's like, and then they come to adulthood and they're like, would someone please affirm me? Will you please love me? Will you please say I'm special? And we'll say, yeah, you're special. You can work in the nursery for four months in a row. Uh, you know, and it's like, and then they're mad. But really it was, they came to adulthood with so much need for approval that they were a setup for a yucky husband, a yucky church, that they didn't say, you know, well, that's not going to work for me. You can have two days a month. Max, it's like, oh, I thought you had servanthood. It's like, no, I'm a healthy person. I'm a, my daughter's a nurse. She said, some people don't understand that I'm working in the hospital with, new, with premature babies. They're like, can you, why weren't you in the worship session? Because I was saving lives. It's, it's like, she has to know that it's okay that you're saving lives and people can't manipulate the call on your life because you know who you are. Well, a lot of us don't know who we are because we got bad information from people who got bad information. Am I, am I boring you? I'm off on so many challenges. Okay, there's another, guess what I found out? Are you ready for this? My, my dad's dad left them when he was little. And my dad left his, his aunts and uncles who were raising him and walked to California. And do you know what I just found out really super recently? That was what happened to people who lived where he lived in the Dust Bowl. They left to California to try to find work to feed themselves. And they both went there and it was, seemed like a mysterious, just plain crazy spiritual, like a sinful thing. I think they lived through the Dust Bowl in Northern Texas. And that was the reason for all this. It's like, oh, that makes most, so much more sense than just plain wackiness. There were, there were things you don't know about what they did. They did it because they were coping. It wasn't because they didn't love you. It was because they were coping bad, and you got a bad set of information. And now here I am as an adult saying, oh, did you, I said, tell my siblings, do you know anything about the Dust Bowl? They're like, no. I'm like, it's where dad was raised, and it affected him in those years in the late 20s and early 30s. How do you know? I'm like, I, I think that's, that actually is the truth. So, so you, we don't have all the information. My point is, we don't have the information, but God wants us to fill us and heal us so that in, okay, here's what Desmond Tutu says. He said, in our own ways, we are all broken. And out of that brokenness, we hurt others. 
Forgiveness is the journey we take toward healing our broken parts so we can help other people, so we can become whole again. I'm going to read it again. In our own ways, we are all broken, and out of that brokenness, we hurt others. Forgiveness is the journey toward healing the broken parts, and that's how we become whole again. And I just feel like this morning, God wants us to become whole again. And it's like, well, you don't understand. That ship sailed. It's like, no, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Page five, page five. Where's page five? So it says here in the word of God, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, a holy and beloved compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive and above all put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Is it because people deserve it? Well, they came and they finally apologized. About time they apologized. They might not ever apologize. They might be in heaven. You might not know where they are. But you say, I'm not forgiving them because they deserve it. I'm forgiving them because Jesus deserves it. And he went to the cross for people that we don't even like. He didn't ask their permission before he went to the cross. He just made provision for us to, to operate in a new way, a new kingdom way, where love is our watchword, faith is our watchword, and forgiveness is like the, um, the, the what's that stuff in between the bricks? The mortar that holds it all together. We learn to forgive one another. We forgive people who don't deserve it because not only does Jesus deserve it because he went to the cross to purchase them, but we can't function the way we want to because, because the impasse in the stream is this big rock of offense. The impasse in the stream is this big rock of unforgiveness. The impasse in the stream is all the wounded, hurt places, and we are like, well, I want to grow and change and be more and operate in the power of the Spirit. Well, we might have to do business with some of this stuff. Oh, no, we don't. I'm not doing business with any of that. It's like the Lord's inviting us to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to sit with you, and would you put your finger on things, I'm going to say, well, I don't really want to talk about that, but if you want to talk about that, I'm open to suggestion. I'm not necessarily saying yes, but I'm open to being persuaded, Lord Jesus. Come and persuade my heart to give up. I see this laundry basket of broken toys, and here I am with my laundry basket of broken toys, and it's, uh, my mom says, like, let's sell that at a garage sale. No, these are my toys, and the Lord Jesus is like, you know what? I can give you new. I can give you better. And these offenses are like, I legitimately own this offense. It happened to me. I was there. I'm, I'm entitled to be hurt. It's like, yeah, but if you give it to me, I can give you something better. And you can be unencumbered, and you can be free, and you can live lightly, and you can become more. You can hear the Lord better. No, I own this basket of hurt. This is my offense. I get to. It's mine. My broken crap. I get to keep it. It's mine. It's like, yes, but if you give it to me, I could give you better. How do I know that you're going to follow through with that? What if I don't have, then I don't have any of my broken stuff, and then I don't have any new stuff, and I'm just here in the dark by myself, sucking my thumb again. It's like, well, you're going to have to trust me. You've only been walking the Lord with it for a jillion years. Maybe I've been faithful. Have I been faithful? Maybe. And the Lord wants me to become, trust him enough to say, you know what? Those were legitimate things. I know they're the folklore that you've brewed into this great story, but I'm asking you to give it to me. It's like, well, then who will I be if I give away all my offenses? I'll just be a normal, regular person, and I look like a normal, regular person. No, you'll be good. Trust me, it'll be good. 
I'll think about it. So um, the last couple things I wanted to tell you is my friend, the oyster, did not volunteer to be offended. He did that, that, that grain of sand came in and was a genuine wound and an offense to that oyster. And he's a little mad about it. But the Lord is asking him to put the grace of God over that wound and over that offense. And so with you, you got a, something happened to you that was just, it wasn't the will of God that you got dropped on your head. It wasn't the will of God that your parents split up. It wasn't the will of God that your marriage broke up. It wasn't the will of God that you lost someone to disease and they went to heaven prematurely. It wasn't the will of God that you went through that illness. It wasn't the will of God what happened to your baby. That wasn't the will of God. It wasn't the will of God. No one's saying that. People who say everything happens for a reason, I want to scream. No, that isn't true at all. You know, if you got injured or hurt or attacked, it wasn't the will of God in any way, shape, or form. Bankruptcy, not the will of God. But, but, that all things work together thing, it makes it so I'm taking this, this place where I've discovered that I'm wounded, and I'm saying, God, if you can come in, you can cover it with a grace. It doesn't actually take it away. It covers it and makes it, the knacker is the luster that covers the sand to make it a pearl. And it becomes transformed into something completely different, and it becomes, you become a trophy. You become this, this, are you getting the thing with the, the oyster and the sand and the pearl? The, the sand is the offense. The sand is the wound. And when the love of God comes in, it covers it and transforms it and makes it into something beautiful. So the thing you endured becomes a, a, a thing that you say, I can show out the love of God because I lived through some things. God gave me uh, gems and jewels as booty, spoils of war, and, I, and I, no one can take that away from me because I lived through it and God was with me. He, he changed me. And, and I can show that, like, you lived through that? I sure did. So the thing that, that uh, I just am asking you today is to consider this. Forgiveness is the knife that cuts the rope by which sin, anger, fear, and recrimination, and death are still attached to us. Can you turn that down just a little bit? I can't hear my own thoughts. Let me read that one more time. Forgiveness is the knife that cuts the rope by which sin, anger, fear, recrimination, and death are attached to us. We don't have to wait for the future kingdom. We don't have to wait for Jesus to come in the sky. We can begin to be kingdom people today and experience deliverance from evil. We are invited and summoned to start living in that way now. That's how we make earth invade heaven. As earth as it is in heaven, that's give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgo those who sinned against us. That's what Jesus said. Live this way now, and that's how we begin to usher in the kingdom today. We learn the meaning of forgiveness, and the reality becomes a midst. We, we enter into the suffering world by saying, I got a key. If we begin to forgive one another, we can have the kingdom here on earth. And people were like, well, what would that look like? And you say, let me tell you. This is what happened to me, and this is how it resulted. They're like, you're kidding me. I'm like, no. This is the truth, that God wants us to be forgiving people, that we receive forgiveness for ourselves. The thing you did, God can forgive. That you are, are saying, I want to be a person, an agent of grace, an agent of mercy. I'm going to allow you to transform me, even, even if I've been around the block a few times. It's not too late to remove the offense and Lord, allow the Lord to transform it so that you no longer limp in this area. So it's not your glass jaw like a boxer. Oh, I'm broken up in this area again. Let's heal that. Let's change that. Let's ask God to help us.
by the power of the Holy Spirit, be brave enough to say, Lord, if you'll come and sit with me in this area, maybe we can soak this sliver till it pops out. That's what we say. We say, you know what, God, you can come by the power of the Holy Spirit and, and move on us so that we're not stagnant and fossilized. And here we are in January. We're saying, God, we want to have more power, more anointing, and more love. And the Lord's like, well, how about we do some business with this? Okay, God, I'm willing for you to visit me and to change me. I'm going to pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here we are. Here we are, God, and we know that you know us intimately. You know us. You're not disillusioned with us because you have no illusions about us. You know us, and you love us, and you made us in the image of Jesus. And now you want to come and refine what has been and say, you know that old stuff in the back of your soul? Let's, let's, let's revisit that. And I'm just asking for each person in this room to be brave enough to say, Lord, if you want to visit the places in my soul that still need to be healed, that might be from my childhood, I'm willing for you to sit with me and persuade me so that I give up my wounded place and I say, come Lord Jesus, whether it's relational, whether it's parents, whether it's spouses, children, racial stuff, whether it's injustice that you wrong, all those things, they are not, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm not saying we're, we don't, we're gonna name it. We're gonna call it out so that we can, we can be healed. We're not gonna say uh, it, it doesn't really matter. I'm not saying it doesn't really matter. It does matter and it matters to God so that he can come and cleanse us and he can come and heal us and we can be transformed in order that we can minister this same grace and transformation to a hurting world. So God, we ask that you come in this moment and we're gonna sit here for a, a few moments and ask you to, to visit our souls with where we can talk to you about these issues, these bad containers in our refrigerator, and you can say, I can help you with that. Come, Lord Jesus, walk among us. There's grace here for healing. There's anointing here for healing, not because of me, because this is what God wants, especially if you've been walking around with these kinds of hurts so long that you didn't even know they were hurts. You thought they were just your nature, but they're not. The Lord wants to give you an upgrade today and say, I'm coming. I'm coming with my, with my distorted views of God. I'm coming with my wounds. I'm coming with my betrayal. I'm coming with uh, the culture. They told me it was cultural, but the truth is it was just you were exposed to a whole lot of sin, and they told you that it was just culture. It wasn't culture. It was bad. And so, Lord, we come. If this is you, if you'd like to do business with God and become, uh, let him rearrange the furniture in your soul at this January, rearrange my heart, rearrange my priorities, rearrange my thought process, that, there, that, that I'm inviting you to this altar to come up here and say, I want to start fresh. I want to I let go of the things that, that hinder me. I want to stop limping in my spiritual person. I want to stop limping in my soul, having boo-boo places that no one can touch. Come. Come for this anointing, this, this love of God that wants to, to sweep places that you didn't know existed. There's rooms in, the, in your soul that you have had sealed off and bolted since you were five years old. The Lord wants to open those up and have them be refreshed. And if you're brave, the Lord will come in and he'll gently help you move stuff out that's hindered you. 
and you will have an upgrade in your ability to hear his voice, to sense his presence, to enjoy his company, and to be used in miraculous, new, fresh, miraculous ways. Come to this altar and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and uncover what has been and clean it and give you fresh, a fresh understanding of who he is, a fresh understanding of the people around you, empathy, mercy, compassion. Those are God's stock and trade. He has those to give to you. If you want more mercy for other people, come. If you want compassion, come. The Lord will trade out your negative experiences with himself. He himself is the forgiveness. If you want more of him, he himself is the mercy. He himself is the love. We want more of you, Jesus, so that we can be transformed. So our homes are thin places between heaven and earth. We want to experience more, enjoy you more. Come, 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 come to this altar. Come, come, come. Get the healing you need. Come unlearn things that really aren't helping you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that you're faithful. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you're able. bless you and I thank you God that you have fresh for us fresh and the Lord says to you that he he is, did not ordain anything that happened to you that felt like where were you God he was there weeping next to you he was there not like the fact that you were being hurt was not okay with him and it's not okay with me but the Lord has the ability to give you this divine exchange from what you suffered I'm not minimizing the suffering but he wants to come and minister to you in it and reveal the beauty of his face and, and to trade out what you what, what hurt you for facets of himself. Spoils of war, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, the mercy, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Thank you, God, that you're able. Thank you, God, that you're faithful. And thank you, God, that you're here.